0: Welcome to Bloombox
1: Growing Deeper. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah. And we're on a mission to help you become the gardener you want to be. All right, welcome back everybody to Bloombox Growing Deeper. Today we are going to talk all about soil. So we got into it. We scraped the top. The puns (laughs) are going to be strong today. (laughs) On the last episode. So now we're going to dig on in. To soil. Now, I'm so excited about this one because this topic was brand new to me when I started with the Forest Service and with NSA because to me, it was all the same. And then I went to a staff meeting and someone said dirt instead of soil. And you would have thought, well, that dirt was a four letter word, which it kind of is. is. And I was like, what is happening here? Why are people so upset about dirt versus soil? Isn't it the same? And then people were like, dirt's what's on your clothes. Like, oh, it got heated. So, Sarah, explain to us. What's the difference between soil and dirt? Okay, I think that was an excellent explanation.
0: Dirt's what's on your clothes. It's what you wash off your hands. It's what you sweep off the driveway. There might be soil in it. But it's something that you're cleaning up. Maybe you're not cleaning it up, but it's something that's that's on you on something else. And it can include soil, but it can also be a lot of things. It can be dust, Mm -hmm. debris, whatever. Right. That's my personal differentiation. And it's a lot of people's. The... Thing you'll find different between different gardeners is the level they're willing to joke about it. Mm-hmm. Some people will totally joke about dirt. Some people, it's a four-letter word, and they—it's bad. It's something to clean up. It's not something to grow in.
1: Yeah, I thought so. A, a couple years ago, I said "dirt" in a in a letter that went out to all of our members. Oh my! And I did it intentionally. I said "dirt" instead of "soil." Because I liked the sound of it. Yeah. They said NSA has had their hands in the dirt of every county and they didn't like it. Oh, they didn't? Well, I didn't get too many responses, but some people didn't yeah. like it. So for the record, I do know the difference now. I knew it before I wrote that. I did it on purpose. Sometimes you got right things that sound good. So I am in that camp of willing to joke about it. And I think you are, too.
0: I am. I'm totally willing to joke about it. But uh, before I joke about it, I want to make sure we're on the same page and we're yes. joking.
1: Yes. Because
0: <laughs> if you're joking, it's funny. haha, Everybody knows what's going on. But if you joke with the wrong people, you may miseducate right. on accident.
1: It is also important to us that you do know the difference. Yes. So... We went over the difference a little bit, but let's go into more what is soil. Okay. So we know the difference between dirt and soil. What's soil? First, let's start with, I'm going to switch this up. It's not how the outline went,
0: but now we know why it's important to know the difference. So why are we talking about it? The reason it's important to know your soil, know what it is, know how to take care of it, is because healthy soil equals healthy plants. Yes, Plants grow in the soil, we walk on the soil,
1: without it, there is no life. That's true. And the the types of soil and what you have in your soil is going to make a really big difference into sometimes how you garden and what kind of things you need to do while you're gardening.
0: Right. And what kind of things you can grow effortlessly, what kind of things you can grow with some work, and what kind of things you really just can't grow in that particular spot. So what is soil? Oh,
1: Okay, so here's what I know about soil. Like I said, I'm new to this. Sarah has all the info on it. So soil is organic matter, mm-hmm. right? It can have a lot of different types of things in it. And that's where we can get into like our loamy soils and our clay soils and all of these different things. So it impacts the nutrients that you have for your plants impacts how water flows, drainage things like that. But why don't you tell us the technical?
0: Okay. Info. I thought that was a great explanation. Oh good cuz I
1: felt like I was just You
0: you were kind of throwing things out there. Yeah. Soil is minerals plus organic matter. Ah, I've missed the minerals. Well, you said the minerals. You just didn't give them a classification. Mm-hmm. So the minerals we break down into sand, silt, and clay. Yes. Is how we classify those three. To classify our soils, we separate those minerals into sand, silt, and clay. Um, There's actually a fun triangle. I'll put a picture in the show notes. And depending where you are on those three sides, how much sand versus how much silt versus how much clay, it defines your soil classification, um, which tells you how dense your soil is, how much water it can hold. And then that organic matter is, you know, anything composting. So it could be dead plant material. It it could be dead animal material. It is dead bug material. Mm -hmm. Things like that, that are decomposing and providing really rich nutrients to the plants. So that's the basis of what makes up what we call soil. There'll be things in the ground that are not soil. Rocks, not soil. Bugs, not soil. Yes. But the soil is an ecosystem for a lot of living things. Mm-hmm. So we want our soil to be alive. Oh, Minerals I love it. aren't alive. So I'm gonna lean more on you, our okay. animal person, to talk about some of the things that bring the soil to
1: life. Right. Okay, so here's the fun thing. So I used to do conservation education before this position. And one of my favorite activities to do with students was I would dig up, I would, put, I would put a log out to rot, and then when it was rotting enough, I would dig up the soil underneath it and the log, and I would take it all to a classroom, and we would just dig in it. Oh my goodness. It was so fun. But what you learn is that that soil is full of life, like you said. So there's all kinds of things that we would find in there. Um, invertebrates. Of course, you're always going to find your worms, you know, all that good stuff all types of insects. But then there's the things that you can't see Mm. that's in there, right? So those microorganisms and fungus, which sometimes you can see, but sometimes you can't, depends. Uh, So all of those things play a really important role in that soil. Of course, we know about the decomposers and the role that they play in turning organic matter into that soil that we need. That's why we leave the leaves. We have a sign for that. We do. So instead of raking up our leaves, we leave them so that it can break down into the soil. There's a lot of reasons we do that, but that's one reason. So those are really important. But then there's other insects that are not involved in decomposing and that are also playing an important role in that soil. And I think that Uh, a lot of animals that live in the soil get a bad rap. Everyone's trying to get rid of them. So many of these things get a bad rap. Right? I remember going outside one evening to see the raccoons rolling up the grass to get to what was in the soil. No way. Underneath, yes. We had just had um, sod put in, so it wasn't quite rooted yet. So they literally just peeled it back. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) And they were digging in there. It was a mom and all her little babies. And they were, Of course, they never put it back. But they were <laughs> digging in there and they would pull out all of these little invertebrates and insects and different things that were in there that they would eat. So I think it's important to remember, like we've said, gardening is about people, but it is also about the interaction that you have with the environment. So just because we might not want it for plants doesn't necessarily make it a terrible thing to have in the garden.
0: Yes and it's important to think about what makes up a healthy food web. Mm -hmm. Soil is this huge food web under our feet. I mean we learn so much about the food web that is you know a wolf eating a rabbit that Mm -hmm. ate the grass but there's a whole other layer before the grass and when we start to see problems from some of these critters that live in the soil is when that food web's not balanced out. Right. So when we end up with grub problems in our yard, something's not eating those or they're a species that didn't belong here as part of the food web in this area in the first place. So we want to have a healthy living soil We need to have those things. Yes. If one of them gets out of control, we need to look at why that happened and not just, like, assume that all the life is bad because one time something nibbled a leaf. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's going to happen in a healthy garden environment. Something will nibble your leaves. It should not kill all your plants, but it should nibble your leaves.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I think if you go out to your garden and you don't see anything living, then you you have a there's problem. there's a problem yeah there's not something right there yeah so I'm
0: specifically thinking you know when you said bacteria and fungi we probably had some people getting really itchy yeah bacteria is not just what Clorox tries to sell you something to kill there's bacteria that can make us sick there's also an incredible amount of bacteria that keeps us alive yes. And we need it. And same with fungi. It's not just fungus growing on something that needed cleaned and wasn't stored properly. Fungi is a huge part of the decomposition process.
1: And sometimes wonderful mushroom food. Yes. (laughs) So now that we kind of understand soil, how how would I know in my garden that I have good soil? Okay. spoiler alert. I don't. Some parts are good. So
0: spoiler alert, most of us don't, (laughs) especially if we live in town (laughs) and in developed areas. So we talked a little bit in the last episode. If you have a house, (laughs) your soil's been disturbed. You needed it to be disturbed so that you could have a safe house to live in. But now we need to kind of go back and heal that so that we can grow plants on top of it. So when someone signs up for Bloombox, the first thing they do is they fill out their garden profile. And I've tried to make some really leading questions in there that will take you out to your garden and help you learn about the site. And one of those is what kind of soil do you have? For the first thing you're going to have to do is touch it, feel it, observe it. And the way we test soil types is we get it a little bit wet. You get kind of a handful, so then you get a little bit wet. And if, when it's wet, it just still crumbles apart in your hand, you have a really sandy soil. If you have a soil that sort of sticks together, um, and you can mush it out into like a ribbon shape, but it cracks a little bit, like Play-Doh that's starting to dry out, you have a loamy soil. And if you have soil that feels like you could make a pot out of it, you have a clay soil. <laughs> clay makes a really slippery feeling. Loam helps stuff to stick together, but it's it still has a texture. Right. Where clay kind of makes everything a little slippery.
1: If you have clay, you'll know it. You'll know it and you
0: <laughs> frankly you probably do.
1: Yeah. So that
0: information tells us a lot about the amount of organic matter present in your soil and the amount of water that it can hold. Clay soil does not have a ton of organic matter, but it holds a ton of water. Yes. But it doesn't hold a ton of water that's very usable by the plant. I learned this the hard way. Yeah, We call that available water
1: be water present that's not available. I see. So clay soils don't have a lot of available water. But they have a lot present. I see. Kind of like if you're
0: at the beach and you're thirsty.
1: Right. (laughs) You got a
0: lot of water, but you can't drink it. Mm -hmm. Sandy soil holds almost no water. I mean, we know that.
1: Right. Um, It drains quickly. It drains
0: very quickly. And we want some drainage, but we also need to keep some available water. Loamy soil usually is very rich in organic matter and it it sounds like oh it's the perfect balance between those two things it's not always okay it should hold more water than sand it doesn't always so we can we can dive deeper on that subject later but what we know now is that if we have really clay soil and really sandy soil we need to do some work If you've got really loamy soil that's kind of the spot where you're probably good for now and the plants will heal it over time okay so i'm gonna make the assumption that most of us are working with clay soil here in nebraska we do have about half the state that naturally has a very sandy soil but still around those developments a lot of clay has often been used because that's how you can build a strong foundation for a house so you you still may not actually be planting into a super sandy soil
1: I have a good half of my yard that I think is pretty much clay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we hit it putting in that patio. Oh, I bet you did. Half, we got started and half of it was like, oh, this is great soil. I'm scooping it out. And then we got halfway through and I was like, oh my gosh, this is never going to work. <laughs> Cause clay soil is very hard to remove. It is. It's very Clay
0: soil is very, very heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first question I'm guessing we're going to get from this episode is a bunch of people calling and asking if they need to get their soil tested.
1: Well, yes. Should I get my soil tested? I know you can walk into a lot of places and do that. You can buy something on Amazon. You can buy the kits.
0: Yeah. Most likely the answer is no. The reasons you test your soil. You can test for chemical presence if you suspect pollution. We're going to say that's pretty much out here. We can assume some level of pollution in town, but we're not talking about sites where suspected dumping was happening. Right. That's, I'm just going
1: to put that one out there first because it's the big no. I guess if you were, maybe if you were worried in an old house like ours, if the outside was painted with a lead paint. I think if that paint chipped mm, to, like, you could test the soil just around the house. You could if the outside of your house is
0: still painted, Okay. Um I don't think that's a soil test though. I think you would just go get the lead house paint how the uh, the paint test that you would yeah. use on your house that your house inspector could use. Okay. Um I don't know. I mean it, it could
1: it... be a soil test, but cuz would you have to worry about it getting into your plants? Not only if it was like an edible
0: Yeah, the only time I would worry about is if you're planting an edible plant straight up against the foundation of your house, which isn't super common. I wouldn't. Um, I'm not a house inspector. (laughs) Don't take my word for that. That's my gut feeling on this is unless you're planting edibles straight up against the side of your house, some lead in the soil is not going to stop you from growing the bush you want. Right. So that's kind of the big... I've never run into a situation where I had to test for that. I have on big public projects run into places where there was formerly a parking lot and people had used soil sterilants.
1: What's a soil sterilant? Oh, is it just what it? It's just what it sounds like.
0: It's a chemical people used. They were really popular in the '80s when everything was concreted over and people didn't want anything growing in their parking lots Mm -hmm. that their maintenance guy might have to deal with. So if you put down a, a rock parking area, people would spray or or put down. I don't even know how it was put down. I assume a spray to sterilize the soil so nothing
1: could grow. there. I see. It was kind of terrible. Lots of terrible things happened in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't born till the 90s. Neither so was I. It wasn't me. But I have seen acid washed jeans and I don't know <laughs> if I could get behind it.
0: <laughs> we just had a whole bunch of listeners that probably hung up on I us know. for saying we
1: weren't born till the 90s. <laughs> I've
0: primarily experienced that in big public projects, and they knew there was a parking lot there, so we suspected it from the beginning. The second thing you can test for is soil pH. That is one of the few things that it doesn't hurt to do at home, partly because it's so easy and is a fun science experiment. Right, you can use stuff you just already probably have. probably. Or I get pH strips from the fish aisle at Walmart. I know that you can get really cheap litmus paper in the fish aisle.
1: Even like at your hardware store in a pond section. Yep, Yep. or pool, Mm -hmm. probably the
0: pool section too. So to do that, what you would do is fill like a solo cup half with soil, half with water and let it sit for a couple hours and dip that litmus paper in. You want to let it sit so that the sediment comes down to the bottom and you're dipping the paper just in the water. Otherwise, you won't be able to see anything because it'll be covered in soil. Compare it to the color chart on the package, and you know if you've got an acidic or alkaline soil. In the end, you're not going to do a ton about it, and you could probably guess based on where your house
1: is what you have.
0: Right. But it's a fun test. It's a great science experiment to do at
1: home with some kids. Do you have to take into account... I mean, water should be pretty (laughs) run-of-the-mill but city water can change alkaline and base like it can
0: in the end though you can't really do anything about it and it's not likely to be high enough or low enough to matter okay um the only time i've really taken it into account is when i want to plant some species from really specific ecosystems that, you know, can't handle acidity or something like that. Mm -hmm. There are those color-changing hydrangeas. Have you seen those? You can get hydrangeas that, I'm going to get this backwards, I'm sure, but they turn blue with a neutral soil or a basic soil, and they turn pink with an acidic soil. And so then you get fertilizer to put on them. that can turn them one color or the other.
1: That's amazing. Yep. I can not grow hydrangeas in the first place. so <laughs> That I'm, would solve that problem. I'm pretty sure yeah. I couldn't accomplish that. But So if you want a long-term soil
0: pH test, you <laughs> could plant some color-changing hydrangeas. Yeah. The soil test, you're prob- anybody who asks this question is probably thinking of, is um, a soil nutrition test. And that's something you would send off to your extension office or to a soil lab And you would get back this big readout with elemental names of different nutrients. I would never do this in my home garden. I know people who have, who really, really wanted to know or really just um, enjoy learning that kind of thing or wanted to adjust for a really specific crop. The people that need those tests are growing crops where they're trying to absolutely maximize the amount of nutrition a specific plant's getting. If you want to do it, I mean, I'm not Mm going to stop you, but in my mind, it's thinking way too hard about planting a perennial garden.
1: But if it's something you're super interested in, go go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just a little too like, let's just make this happen.
0: Right. I just don't (laughs) want to make anyone think that they need a soil test in order to have healthy soil in their garden. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely a fun thing to learn about. You may need some help to read it, and whoever did the test should provide an interpretive instruction for understanding what the readout from the test is telling you. And it can be a really neat thing to learn about your yard, but it shouldn't stop anybody from thinking that they can improve their soil.
1: Yeah, and it might, maybe not one that in depth, but it might be worth it if you really are you know, a few years in, and you just can't get anything to grow. Yeah. To to do a couple of these tests, the the at home ones might be would be the place where I would start. Yeah, I've never and done one, but you can get
0: like a nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium test on Amazon. I have no idea how accurate they are, but those are your like three macronutrients. That's what all of your fertilizers are based on. Mm-hmm. If you use plant food like a Miracle Grow or something. It's, it's got some micros in it, but it's based on nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. If you think you're going to fertilize that, I guess I would not ever put down fertilizer in my garden without knowing what I already had. Mm-hmm. So that may be a time to test.
1: I don't put down fertilizer in my N- garden. Neither do I. So here's another question I have, um, because I'm on a mission for us to uh, fact check social media things. Ooh. <laughs> <Fun>. <laughs> so... This is about the time of the year and maybe actually more into the summer when I start to see the, oh, if your plants are declining, throw some Epsom salt on them. Is that a thing? Like people are always telling me to put Epsom salt in the soil. Epsom salt's just sodium, isn't it? Right. So is that like, do we need that? I, I mean, people do. Plants, I'm sure, do. But like... Does it actually do anything? I have no idea. Okay. I actually, because I like to dive
0: deep on really random things, which is why we're here, went on a mission to find out if Epsom salt in my bath water was actually doing anything for my sore muscles. And the answer is probably not. It's a placebo. Yes. (laughs) It still smells good because I get the eucalyptus mint scented. Yeah. so I'm making an, a guess okay. that it, no, it's not what your plants need. Okay. Because I'm, I'm drawing this conclusion from the fact that if your house plants have brown tips on the leaves, mm-hmm. a lot of times that's a sign of having too much salt in your water, Oh, which okay. is a really big thing if you've got a water softener. And so if that's what salt causes to plants... In too high of a dose, why would we put Epsom salt on them? Like directly Directly into the soil? I Um, think I could, I hope somebody checks me if I'm wrong, but I think this idea could come from the fact that fertilizers are salts, they're minerals, um, but they're not. Epsom salt. Okay, so
1: how about we do this? We'll check back in.
0: Yeah, or we'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. We'll find a, a reliable source that can explain where this came from, if it works, or if it doesn't. Yeah. I think it comes from people, you know, I, I'm i definitely a big vinegar and baking soda user. That's what I clean mm-hmm. almost my whole house with. I think people really like those one thing that does everything.
1: Yeah, and I can see that. Yeah.
0: So I, I think that's kind of where it's coming from. On a side note, baking soda will absolutely kill your grass very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I put baking soda in our shoes at the end of the summer when they're all uh-huh. smelly from working outside. And it got knocked over on the porch and swept off into the grass. And then my husband was like, why is there this big dead spot in the grass right where you swept off the porch? Uh oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess there's a fast way to kill some grass. I don't know if it's advised, but it's I don't it's know fast. if it's advised, but it's sure fast. So, uh, now, what do we do about our soils yeah. if we're not happy
1: with how they are? Yeah, like my clay. Your clay.
0: It's, Man, that's the
1: worst one. It's the worst. I've been trying to establish a garden. It's, it's a tough spot because it's full shade, and it's clay. And it's clay. And so, it's just... I'm going to be really excited to see if any, I put, I put some Columbine there. Mm. I'm really hoping it comes back. Yeah. Because I love Columbine. But I'm also experimenting with some sedges. Oh, sedges. Sedges yes. are miracle workers. So Bob convinced me to, to try out some sedges there. So oh. I'm going to, I'll let y'all know. Okay. In, maybe midsummer. It would, that's when you'll know.
0: That's when you'll know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll tackle Hannah's problem first. Right, so clay. soil or clay soil.
0: Clay specifically. I mean, the answer to any soil problem is to get the plants going. And even if it you have to be the one that keeps them alive, roots in the ground growing are the things that fix a lot of problems. They'll so find it. They'll find it. So to break up that clay, you're looking for some plants with big root systems anything that makes kind of a bulb under the ground or just has a really extensive fibrous root system, okay. which is why Bob pointed you to the sedges. Oh, good. Because they cre- they're, one, they're tough plants, and then they just create these really extensive, tough root systems that push through that clay. And sedges are a classification. Sedges are kind of like grasses. I'm just going to go back to what sedges are real oh, yeah. quick. They look like grasses, um, but a grass blade is flat and sedges have edges. Mm-hmm. So the bottom of each sedge blade is uh triangular, and sedges all fall in the genus Caryx. So a scientific name is two words, a genus and a species. So all sedges have the genus Carex, and then they have a species name. Like Pennsylvania Sedges, Carex Pennsylvanica. Which is what I planned. Which is yeah, I was that's why mm-hmm. I guessed that one. So and grasses, there's many genus of grasses, but we're here talking about sedges specifically for busting up that clay with their tough, fibrous root systems. The shade limits you a little more. Yes, it does. Uh, but if you had more sun, you could do some things like a liatris that grows a, a corm, a big, bulbous root. Ugh, I love underneath. liatris, too. I do, too. Um, and things with deep, tough tap roots like a baptisia. So what we're looking for is we're looking for roots that will penetrate down into that clay and then plants have some roots that they grow and they keep forever and they have some roots that they grow just for one season and then they let them die and decay. And so as those roots grow and die and decay, they leave pockets of organic matter.
1: They'll add organic
0: matter for you. They will. And then the next thing you've got to do is make sure you've got the living critters in there. So, you want to make sure you're not using a ton of chemicals or anything that might limit earthworm or beetle activity. This is where a few grubs might not hurt Mm -hmm. because they tunnel into the soil and die. Right? Build it and they will come. Yes. (laughs) And leave your leaves. Leave the leaves. Yes. When we leave leaves on top of the soil surface, they decay. The earthworms come and push them down into the soil. And all of that is countering the clay. Yes. And exchanging it for organic matter.
1: And we will talk more about leaving the leaves in the fall. Yes. Because I people ask me so many questions about leave the leaves. So we'll get into that. You'll hear us say it
0: over and over and we'll 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 offer tidbits on it. Probably Mm -hmm. every episode, I would guess. Probably. It's it's if I could offer perhaps the one biggest soil fixing. Well, two—the two biggest ways to fix Mm -hmm. your soil: plants and leave the leaves, and trust that let the. Basically, you're allowing the process that wants to occur to happen. Right. So that's probably the fastest way to fix clay. Okay. Um, If you don't have leaves to leave right away, or you just want to get
1: things boosted, a little compost over the top of the soil never hurts. I did, I did that last fall when I planted the sedges. I did a little bit of stirring with some... Yeah. With some compost. That's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have almost the opposite situation. Mm-hmm. I have under a big old maple tree, some really dry, crumbly soil. Oh, yeah. So this is an interesting soil type. You know, we talked about how... Sand has its problems, clay has its problems, and it can be tempting to think of loam as that perfect Mm in-between. But I have loamy soil that's really depleted of any organic matter under this tree. And I suspect it's because grass didn't want to grow in the shade and the prior owners of the house never left any leaves. (laughs) (laughs) So this big old maple tree, maples have really shallow root systems, so they use a lot of that surface water. Right, they're sucking a lot of stuff out. They're sucking a lot of water. And I'm not saying anything bad about my maple tree. It's great. But it makes it hard to establish plants underneath. So the thing I need to do is get more organic matter in there quickly. So I've planted plants. And opposite to my usual garden technique, I need to water them more than I would like. Because there's no organic matter to hold that water in place. Mm -hmm. But there will be over time as I let those plants do their job. And then we've started mulch... Well, we composted when we first planted. We mulch that area and leave it to decompose. And we leave everything. I don't even cut those plants back. I leave everything there.
1: Right. So kind of trying to restock that and then make sure in the meantime you're given a little boost with some water. I'm given a little boost to keep the plants there until they
0: can handle it themselves And We're going to go into... this spring will be the third spring. So we plant... No, this is only our second spring. Oh, wow. We planted it last spring. And there was already a huge improvement by fall. And so I'm really looking forward to how it does this spring. Great. Yeah. And that so... That, those were both shade.
1: Mm-hmm. Sun
0: gardens, I mean, they're so much easier to so fix. So much easier. You can just grow so much more variety of plants. The same principles apply. You want to get plants growing, even if you have to boost them along. And you want to get organic matter in. Other than that, this, the fact that it's in the sun just gives you so many more options for plants. I don't. There's not much else I'd do. No. Uh, a little compost when you plant it, but the... The process just speeds up in the sun.
1: Right. Especially in Nebraska where we have so many things that grow in full sun really well. Right. You just put put something. Put something in.
0: (laughs) Sandy soil. Sand. So sandy soil It can be really tempting to want to come in with topsoil and just switch it out for what you know how to grow in. But if you are living in a place where sandy soil is the natural um, you've got some cool plant choices that want that. Right. And you need to do some research and some looking there because a lot of the traditionally promoted landscape plants are from places with loamy soil. Those of us who live in loamy soil areas are so jealous of the things (laughs) you can grow. Let's normalize them. Let's promote them a little bit more and put the plant in the right place.
1: Because this would be a good chunk of like northwest Nebraska. It would, a huge Mm -hmm. chunk.
0: And they've got some awesome penstemons and uh, scutellaria, which I'm totally losing the common name for.
1: That's not um, one of the warts, is it?
0: No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Well, Scutellaria is the scientific name. Sure. Um, But you've got some plants in those areas that we'd love to grow here, Mm -hmm. but they need the drainage that that clay provides. Yes. So start with the right plant in the right place, but chances are you do need to get a little organic matter back in, but a little bit of compost and keeping leaves and mulch on top of that soil surface is really
1: all you need to do. You don't have a bad soil. And this is something that NSA can help you with. It is. Because we have experience trying to figure out what plants that are available can grow well in that sandy soil out in northwest Nebraska, central. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a fluctuating area. Um, so go to our website. I'm sure we'll post a link in the show notes. Yes. I'll put
0: a link in the show notes. We've made lists of plants specifically
1: for these areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, the the other hard part that can be about putting the right plant in the right place is that sometimes they're just not available. So we've worked to figure out what's available and what will do well. Right.
0: We could. I mean, you can do some research and find a long list of plants native to those sandy regions, but um, since they're not the highest priority to a lot of garden centers that doesn't mean you'll find that plant available. So we have tried to do that work for you ahead of time. Yes. (laughs) And find out not only what will grow there, but what you can get. Exactly. The last thing I want to touch on is that if you're working on improving your soil or you have improved your soil, now we need to protect it. And uh, the main thing that we're trying to protect it from is things we dump on our roads. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes Um, this can be a problem it can be
0: a problem we will probably cover this in a whole episode of its own plants that can grow next to the roadways um you know i just realized this may seem like a really funny topic to anybody south of us right but we put salt on our roads in the winter and well we don't because if it was up to me it'd go on a lot lighter than it does the roads department right. puts down salt, and they need to for public safety. I yeah. mean,
1: for us to be able to drive on our roads when it's icy, they
0: it have has to happen. Some,
1: some salt and some sand, yeah. And sometimes in Lincoln, it's beet juice. Oh, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Oh, how interesting! I don't know why they figured out that beet juice would do the trick, but oh, I'm gonna
0: have to look into that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but it it's great when it's on the road helping us drive. Then the snow plow comes through and then the snow melts and it all gets pushed up onto our curbsides and it can make that soil really difficult to grow in. So again, we have made lists of plants that can handle that, but in areas where we have control of that, we want to be cognizant that we're not, you know, overly salting our walkways and things, or if we have the option to use salt sand instead of salt to do so, Mm -hmm. um, and then the one that I have been struggling with the most is soap. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love to wash things on my driveway. Kids' toys, trash cans, my car. Right. Um, but I wash all that off right into my garden. And mm-hmm. I have killed things by washing them on my driveway. with just regular dish soap, right?
1: Um, that,
0: or, or any type of soap. You know, too concentrated of a, of a dish soap will do it Mm -hmm. i would worry more if you're consistently washing stuff that drains off um but anytime you get out those spray cleaners Mm -hmm. you've got to be a little bit careful Uh, i did kill some i purposely poured it on weeds because i didn't know what would happen uh with fabric dye (laughs) oh yeah because there was some vinegar in there to set the color Mm -hmm. and so i was like oh i'm going to take this out to the alley and find something i need to kill anyway uh, so any of those activities you took out of your house so that you wouldn't make a mess in the house, just make sure you're not doing it next to your favorite garden plot.
1: Right. You may be disappointed with the results. Or if it is something like I give my dog a bath outside in the summer. And you probably do that frequently. Uh, depends on what he rolls in that oh, day. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Um, like children, I think. Anyway. <laughs> And so I just, I move us around. Yes. So we're not yeah. in one spot all the time doing right. our bath. Because you probably don't use any kind of
0: soap on your dog that would kill a plant in one go. No. But if you were repeatedly doing that bath time in the same place and it built up in that spot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, this was, this was a good deep topic.
1: <laughs> all about soil. All about soil. So, but I do have one more question. Okay. What can people do if they do have a part of their yard that gets salted all the time? You know, I imagine those like corner lots Mm -hmm. where the city's putting it down on the streets and you're putting it on sidewalks. And then you got this spot that's just always getting hit by salt in the winter. Right.
0: And there's not a ton. I mean, I would love to say, well, here's how you can stop the salt from building up. There's not a ton you can do. We've got to salt the roads. You've got to not fall on your sidewalk. You can leach that salt out, so the first you know a few weeks of the spring, um, watering that heavily to help that salt soak down down the soil profile where it will cause less problems. Um, planting things like sedges that help naturally filter our water. Sedges, in addition to having those awesome root systems, they work on top of the soil as a growing filter. They have very thin leaves that build up and they, they grow in a clump that the water has to go through. And they're really tolerant of those things in the soil and they can collect them so that it doesn't get down into the soil in the first place. So um, if I had a spot that was really bad about that, I would plant a whole thick layer of sedges and then maybe some pretty plants to grow up out of them Yeah. so that I basically just planted this big filter.
1: Oh, that'd be so pretty. It would be so pretty. Oh, I yeah. love
0: sedges. I do too. The
1: answers to all of society's ills. <laughs> maybe <laughs> not quite, but gardening maybe not. ones.
0: <laughs> and that might be the one place where I don't leave the leaves. Yes. I would leave them in the fall so that they could collect all of that sand and salt through the winter and then after snow season's done, that might be the one spot where I do rake up Get and them remove those up. leaves mm-hmm. so that we can start fresh. Yeah. Kind of like replacing the filter on something.
1: Yep. Yeah. Good question. I try. Yeah. All right. Did we cover soil? I think we did. Okay. So now it's time for the age old question of three episodes. What plant are you thinking about this week? Ooh, okay. This week, I'm thinking about mountain mint.
0: (gasps) Yeah, it's one of my favorite bloom box plants ever. Yes. It's not mentha like your spearmint and your peppermint. Its genus is pycnanthemum. And there's one native to pretty much every, at least, eastern region of the US. So, like the northeast, the southeast. Um, through the midwest and great plains i don't know once you get to the high plains so like the eastern side of the rockies and west i'm not sure if there's species in those areas but there's there's a species native to most of the eastern to central u.s and they are pollinator magnets They are these bushy plants covered in white flowers. And I've taken I've tried to take pictures to show the pollinators. You can't because the whole plant just looks like it's vibrating Mm -hmm. with all of the little bees and flies and things that are visiting it. So
1: I uh, yeah. I I have videos of mine just you can you can hear it. Yes like before you can see it. Oh,
0: oh, I love that. So I'll I'll have to share one of your videos in yeah. the notes. But I was trying to choose between species to use for bloom box this year, and it's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how about you? Well, we've talked about it so much, like I have to say sedges. You do. Just yeah. any sedge. <laughs> <laughs> all the sedges. All of them. I just think, first of all... I'm one of the only people that I know that uh, you and me probably and a few of our other plant friends that would describe plants as cute. And I do think sedges are cute. Oh, they're adorable. That's they're sweet. these little puffs. Yeah, they're just these puffs. Oh, <laughs> it makes me so happy. And I think I just want all the variety of sedges that I can get. So yes. I'm just, I'm I'm planting them all over the yard. I, my favorite is... Um, I got it in my bloom box. Ooh, which one? Carrick's gray eye.
0: Oh, yes. It's got the um, seed heads that look like a mace, like a spiky ball.
1: Yes, yes. And it just adds such fun texture to the garden. And I love to show it off to people when they come around. What is that? And you would never expect to get that much interaction from a plant that I mean, of course they flower, but it's they're not showy flowers. No, they're just
0: like grasses. Grasses right. flower, but you would never notice
1: it, right? Yeah. So I feel like everyone goes for these flashy flowers, and I'm over here like, look at this spike. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's what's on my awesome. that's on my mind.
0: All right. Well, next time we will be back with preparing your garden for
1: spring it's almost time it's y'all almost
0: time spring cleanup it's it's coming we've been telling you to hold off it is coming we promise
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, all right so don't forget to subscribe rate us send us some questions growing with growing with bloom box at gmail.com is our email or you can leave us a voicemail
1: Yes, please send us questions so we can start answering.
0: Yes, we're excited to hear what Mm -hmm. you want to learn. This is everything we like to learn about. We want to know what you want to
1: hear. Well, thank you everyone for listening and Bloombox Growing Deeper and Bloombox is a program of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Hi listeners, this is
0: Sarah just popping back on with an update on the Epsom salt question. I did a little research and found out that Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate. So adding Epsom salt to soil doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of fertilizer because magnesium is a micronutrient to plants. It's something they need very little of and that's not something we're usually lacking in our soil. One of the most common reasons people recommend Epsom salt is to help with blossom end rot In vegetables. And that's something that's caused by a calcium deficiency. So magnesium isn't really going to help with that. And in fact, too much magnesium can hurt the plant's ability to take in calcium, which would in fact make blossom and rot worse. So if you have put Epsom salt on your plants, most likely you've not put on enough to harm them. Uh, You would probably have realized that right away, but it's not really a useful thing to do. We definitely recommend going with more complete fertilizers if your plants are having nutrient issues. And I'll drop more information and a couple links in the show notes for anybody who wants to read up on this more.